NHL fantasy. What is going on, Shelfies? We got another division preview coming at you. Top Shelf Fantasy, podcast number 257. Today is Friday, August 11, 2023. We've got preseason underway. Today is going to be just a quick little update on news and the division preview for the NFC North. Uh, I'm by myself today, riding solo. We'll see how this goes. A little experimental podcast. Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Top Shelf FNTSY. Let us know how you think it goes. If this is enjoyable, if you hated it, if you hate listening to me for an unabridged 15, 20 minute podcast, let us know. We won't do it again. Um, but let's get into it quickly with a little bit of quick news. As of today, Kareem Hunt visits the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, add this to the list of the Colts and Saints who he's visited previously in the week. Uh, looked like they were going to get a deal done with one of these teams or at least get an offer extended from the Colts and Saints. Word out of camp was that the Colts were going to uh, per- pursue him aggressively, and it appears that he doesn't care. He's going on to Minnesota to meet with them and see what they have to offer. Now, the interesting thing here is that Coach Kevin O'Connell came out and said Ty Chandler looked really, really good in the first preseason game. So you would think that between Madison and Ty Chandler, they'd be a little bit happy there and, you know, uh, want to ride with those two dogs. Instead, they're still thinking about adding Kareem Hunt. Um, whether that means they think they're a contender and they need the running back depth to to solidify what they have, or maybe Kareem Hunt just offers a little bit in maybe the receiving game. I'm not sure. Um, it would be an interesting fit, though. It would hurt Madison owners. That's that's for certain. Um, it would hurt the Ty Chandler owner. It would probably hurt uh, Kareem Hunt owner if he ends up here rather than maybe New Orleans or, or Indy. But um, I guess that remains to be seen. Other news as far as signings go, Damian Williams, uh, former KC Chiefs running back, and I think also a Chicago Bear running back for a time. Uh, he signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm um, not sure what to make of this one either. If If this is a sign that Josh Jacobs is truly going to hold out, I don't know that Damian Williams is, you know, an apples for apples comparison to Josh Jacobs by any means. So I guess I, I'll i take this with a grain of salt um, for, for the time being. Uh, it seems more of like a, a, a piece that you add when you really don't know what's going to happen, right? He's a, a backup running back. Maybe he pairs with a hodgepodge of Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, whoever else, uh, Brandon Bolden, whoever else they may end up bringing in. Um, it's just the interesting thing to me here is that it's Damian Williams who gets signed. Uh, I don't have the details on the contract in front of me, but you got to imagine a guy like Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, even Leonard Fournette to some extent probably has a little bit more to offer than than Damian Williams. But uh, who knows? It's it's Josh McDaniels, the branch off the Belichick tree. Um, you can't even be surprised about anything they do anymore. So uh, I don't want to belabor this point. They're not huge fantasy relevant running backs or, or targets. So let's just power forward. One guy who is a fantasy relevant player is Devonta Adams, who left practice early today, walked off the field that and reporters said there was a noticeable limp uh, to me. It's preseason. You've got a little bit of time before the season starts. If it's a calf, if it's an ankle or something, he's got time to recover and, and be ready to go week one. If it's anything more serious, I mean, you got to smash that panic button early and often. Without Devontae Adams in Vegas, it becomes Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to the likes of 
Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and who's their tight end? I can't even remember. Austin Hooper, and then the and then the rookie they drafted, uh, Meyer. So that's a, a huge step down to not have an outside threat like Devontae Adams, or really just a threat all over the field wherever he decides he wants to be is where he's going to go. So, um, that that's a big concern if I'm if I'm a uh, Jimmy Garoppolo owner for one, if I'm bought into the Vegas offense, or if I'm a Devontae Adams owner, I'm definitely monitoring this situation closely. Uh, not to mention he's not old by any means, but he's on the older side for an NFL player. So injuries that pop up tend to linger a little bit longer than when he was a spry 25. Um, then one quick note on a couple guys who played well in their preseason games the past couple days. Uh, CJ Stroud did not play well. He did not look sharp against the Patriots. You can attribute that to a good Patriots defense, but then that same Patriots defense went and got shredded by uh, backup Davis Mills, gave up 20 plus points. Uh, not really an ideal showing for Stroud in his first outing, but you see this happen a lot. It takes a little bit of time to get up to, to the NFL game speed for these new rookies. So let's not hit the panic button on CJ, CJ Stroud quite yet, but let's keep watching him in the uh, in the future games so where he'll, he'll play a little bit more. Guys who did look good, as I mentioned, uh, on Houston, Tank Dell looked very sharp. Eight catches, 65 yards, and I believe he caught a nice touchdown. Um on a real nice catch, actually. It was it was very nice to see him focus in and catch that ball right on the sideline near the pylon. So um, very interesting to see him standing out, looking like he's going to play a lot bigger than his size indicates, which is nice to see. And then I already mentioned Ty Chandler at the top of the uh, the podcast. He, he is being praised by Kevin O'Connell now. Um, preseason hype is not worth all that much. I try to remind people of this all the time. What's a coach going to say? Oh, yeah, that guy that we just drafted. Yeah, he sucks. I uh, hate everything that he does and absolutely shatter the guy's confidence and then never put him on the field. Now, you got to hype him up. But at least he's showing something on the field. Ty Chandler was making the first man miss, uh, making people um, or breaking people's tackles, I should say, and, and actually looking quite effective. So if he can carry that over into the regular season, he can definitely carve out a role in Minnesota. And then another guy whose uh, hype train is just absolutely off the rails at this point is Tank Bigsby out of Jacksonville. You know, you have people ready to say that uh, Travis Etienne is irrelevant and it's going to be the Tank Bigsby show, which, I mean, let, let's be real. Let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Even if Bigsby has a huge role, they're not getting rid of Etienne. Look what the guy did last year. It, even if it's a 50-50 split, both these guys can have value. I think that there's a lot of room for the Jaguars offense to improve, especially on the ground. Uh, there's a lot of room for improvement with ETN through what he does as a pass catcher. Um, so I think both guys have value. I actually like Tank Bigsby a lot. I think he's going to end up being um, a, a useful, probably flex play this year. But the people who are ready to anoint him, the RB1 in their offense, let's remember it's preseason. Let's remember who they're playing against. These are guys that won't even be on NFL rosters at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, let's not get out of control of the hype. All that being said, let's get into the NFC North preview. This is an interesting division, to say the least. Uh, they, they certainly had a lot of changes and turnover in this division, and even between teams in this division. It seems like uh, th there was a lot of um, movement between, like, for example, David Montgomery moving from the Bears to the Lions, like interdivision movement. Um which is a little uncommon. I mean, it's it's not the the most uncommon thing to see, but uh, it's different, right? Uh, usually you'll see teams like the Patriots and Dolphins a little bit hesitant to let guys go from one team to another. Not to say that it never happens, but it, it's 
seemed to happen a lot this offseason, and I just wanted to make note of it because I found it a little bit interesting. But um, let's just go through go through the teams in order here of uh, the order that they finished their their season. Um, we had we'll go bottom to top, I guess. So that's going to start us off with the Chicago Bears, who had a rough season in in twenty twenty two. I mean, that's to put it lightly. They just looked a little bit disjointed. They finished the season at at a three and fourteen, which is certainly not what they had hoped coming into the year with um, uh, certainly a lot higher aspirations. Uh, Matt Eberflus definitely struggled to get the team going in the direction he wanted it to. Um, but what he did get was a, a great performance out of Justin Fields, at least from a fantasy perspective. Uh, as far as the NFL is concerned, he has some room for improvement. He was a 60, just over 60% completion percentage as a passer. 17 touchdowns versus 11 interceptions is not quite the gap you're hoping to see from uh, you know your starting quarterback. However, what he added on the ground was 160 rush attempts for 1,143 yards and eight touchdowns. And that is exactly what you're hoping to see out of a guy like Fields. Um, he's got to make that difference on the ground if he's going to continue to be a startable quarterback in in really any format. Uh, and, and quite honestly, what we saw, I think he's going to continue to do that and grow into an even better passer year over year. Um, behind him in the passing game is is really nothing for, for all intents and purposes. You have Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman, and uh, and Tim Boyle. There's nobody that's really going to press him for time or, or reps at the quarterback position. Um, they are letting Trevor Simeon walk, but they're bringing – in PJ Walker and Nathan Peterman is going to stick around. So um, how Nathan Peterman still has a job is beyond me, but that's a conversation for a different podcast. Um, last year for the, the other runners that were not quarterbacks, you have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, right? Those are the top two guys. Montgomery had 200 carries. Herbert had 129. They went for uh, 801 and 731 yards respectively and five touchdowns and four touchdowns respectively. So um, what you see here is, David Montgomery had 71 more more touches and only managed 70 more yards. That's a that's a yard a touch difference. Um, that's not really what you want to see, and maybe that's part of the reason they let him walk. Maybe they're going to grow Khalil Herbert into a, a larger role this year. They also drafted the rookie Roshan Johnson, who I think is a very interesting prospect. Uh, didn't get a ton of work in college because he was behind Bijan uh, Robinson, but he's Bijan Robinson. Yeah, that's correct. Um, but he's definitely a talented running back in his own right. So it'd be real, real interesting to see um, what he's going to be able to do this year if they're going to use Khalil Herbert in that same change of pace uh, role. But that being said, a lot of people come out and say Khalil Herbert's the change of pace back. Well, he only had 12 targets this year. And when you use the term change of pace, you're often meaning, you know, a third down running back, a guy who catches a lot of balls. Khalil Herbert's not that. He was nine receptions on 12 targets, 57 yards. That's not you know, a James White type change of pace back. That's just a guy who caught a couple balls here and there. Um, David Montgomery, on the other hand, had 40 targets and 34 receptions out of the backfield for 316 yards. Now, that's the, the role that you need to replace. And if you can get Roshan Johnson in to get 40 targets, 34 receptions, 316 yards on the ground, and maybe a couple scores, I mean, that's a that's a beautiful role for a rookie running back to have right off the bat. Um yeah, it's going to be interesting, at least, to see what they do. And we always mention with these mobile quarterbacks, Justin Fields is going to take a lot of the close yardage running stuff um, and steal some touchdowns down by the goal line. Uh, you saw him break a few super long runs, uh, actually a couple times this year. So real interesting to see how they navigate the running backs they have. And they also brought in, I should mention, um, not equally talented, but skilled enough, Deontay Foreman. 
I mean, he's coming off a very solid year in Carolina. Um, it should be more than capable of of contributing in a variety of ways to this team and what they want to do on the ground. I mean, they're the number one rushing ranked team in terms of yards with 3,014 yards this past season. Uh, and hopefully if they have their way, they'll be able to repeat that this year. So um, more than likely they're going to have to as well with who they have at, at wide receiver. I mean, they brought in via trade um, towards the end of last year, DJ Moore, which I think is a, a huge addition for them for what they're going to hopefully be able to do with a rookie quarterback, give him a, a a target who they can throw to on a regular basis. Um, That's just something they've lacked in the offense for a long time. They've tried it with a number of different people. Uh, They brought in chase Claypool last year, Darnell Mooney. They were expecting to take a bigger jump, but he was only able to post 61 um, targets and 40 catches before he got hurt. They had Byron Pringle, who they brought in, who was really a non-factor. Nikhil Harry, who we all know is a non-factor wherever he goes. Um, but DJ Moore is, is going to be the the most interesting far and away addition to this offense. And I don't think there's really any question about that whatsoever. Uh, if If Justin Fields is going to grow as a passer, it's going to be if he includes DJ Moore heavily. Um, and DJ Moore is still like sneaky young. I don't have his age in front of me. I think he's like 27, 28 years old at the oldest. So um, if you can figure out a way to get him and Fields on the same page early and often, that's a recipe for success. And yeah, I just looked it up. He's 26 years old. So um, that's going to be uh, almost a must for this team's success. Uh, beyond that, they added Tremaine Edmonds on defense. I know we don't often talk about defense during these previews, but it it is significant for what the bears hope to be able to do and what their identity typically is, which is a defense first kind of run and pound the ball and then grind you out on defense type of team. Um, who knows if they're able to still do that. They lost their, their stud um, linebacker and Roquan Smith last year, but Tremaine Edmonds is hopefully a, a, a welcome addition and an almost a lateral move. I'd say Tremaine Edmonds is probably a little bit less talented, across the board than Roquan Smith, but it's not by much. Um, other interesting additions, Travis Homer at the running back position, Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis at tight end, and Dante Pettis, who has never been healthy in his career, and I'm not expecting him to be healthy now. So um, the Mercedes Lewis one is interesting because he's one of the best blocking tight ends ever to play the game of football, and he's still just putting around. He's probably 40 years old by now. And then Tunyon, while not the most consistent, is definitely – an interesting addition at the tight end position. Obviously, Cole Komet, who just got paid a fortune, is going to dominate the the reps that that go towards the tight end. I mean, he had 69 targets last year and 50 catches. I'd expect to see much the same this year. Tunyon probably flirts with 30 to 40 targets. Mercedes Lewis probably has five targets, but he'll be on the field constantly blocking. Um, so, th- I mean, that pretty much does it for the Bears. There's not a ton to talk about. There's a little bit of movement in and out, but not so much that I don't know that I don't know what to talk about. There's 201 vacated targets, but I'd say 150 of those end up going to uh, DJ Moore. So that, that, you know, we have 50 to account for, and that's probably going to be Roshan Johnson out of the backfield. I think this is one of the easier teams to predict um, only 60. Oh no, I have to have that backwards. 201 vacated rushing attempts. There we go. That makes more sense. 201 vacated rushing attempts, 60 targets. Okay. So really it's going to be DJ Moore hunting for targets with only 60 vacated ones. So he's need to carve his, he's going to need to carve his own rollout 
and the 201 vacated rushing attempts are anticipating a, a growth from uh, Khalil Herbert and then some touches going to Roshan Johnson as well as Deontay Foreman and maybe potentially a couple here and there to Travis Homer. So um, that actually makes a lot more sense. That that, that fits the, uh, the the narrative better. Um, but all right, that should that should do it for the Chicago Bears. We'll move on to the next team, which is going to be the third place finish from last year, which were the Green Bay Packers at eight and nine. Um, important to note, they finished eight and nine and almost in the middle of all offensive categories. You had 18th in touches, 14th in points scored, 16th in yards uh, from scrimmage, 19th in passing yards, 15th in rushing yards. And this is with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Um, you know, a lot of people are still hot on the rookies, Christian Watson and even Romeo Dobbs. Um, there, we have people that are going out of their way to add Dontavian Wicks, uh, Jaden Reed and, and Grant Dubose as rookies this year. And I think I'm, I'm one of the few people sitting here kind of smashing the panic button, so to speak, saying it's Jordan Love at quarterback. We saw him play last year and it's far from impressive. Um, you know, I do expect him to make a, some some sort of step forward, having a full camp, working with the ones the entire time, being the starter, and maybe having some more familiarity. But I'm still – I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't extremely concerned that the Green Bay Packers think that they are going to trot out Jordan Love, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Josiah DeGuara, possibly Tyler Davis – and then a bunch of rookies, and then this is all of a sudden some fantastic passing offense. If they were ranked 19th in yards last year with Aaron Rodgers, where are they going to end up with Jordan Love? I mean, I don't want to bash the guy, right? He's He he hasn't had enough time on the field for me to even tell you if he's good, bad, or in between. But everything that I'm seeing with this team and, and how it's built right now has me – very worried. Um, you're also looking at a team that is vacating 258 targets and 37 rushing attempts. So 258 targets need to go somewhere. I mean, they're losing Alan Lazard, so 100 targets there. Randall Cobb, 50 there. Sammy Watkins, 22 there. Amari Rogers, eight. Uh, Juwan Winfrey, uh, Winfrey, four targets. Mercedes Lewis, seven targets. And Robert Tunyon, 67 targets, right? those are interesting numbers and, and they need to be made up for somewhere. And I, I mean, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs at 66 and 67 um, targets respectively. Sure. They can grow to 110 targets each. That's 50, a little bit less than 50 more. That's 90. Let's call it 90 total between the two to get there. Um, that leaves us with a, a hundred and 40 plus targets that need to be accounted for between Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and then a, a hodgepodge of rookies. That's never really been a successful strategy for an NFL team, especially with an unproven young quarterback at the helm. Now you tried all these rookies out with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit better. Maybe I like the upside at least that that could potentially uh, fly my way. But with Jordan Love, I think that ceiling is is very capped. And uh, to, to say I'm anything but worried about the Green Bay Packers this year would be a lie. I think uh, we talked a, a few podcasts back about who could finish at the bottom of the entire league. And the Green Bay Packers are one of my my sneaky picks. You know, if they say we're young, Jordan Love's not the guy. Let's go ahead and win very few games this year, essentially tanking 
they could be in line to grab a guy like Caleb Williams in the draft next year. And Caleb Williams instantly comes in, turns this program around, has young guys all around him. We've got low salaries. Then you pay your running backs, uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, maybe bring some other veteran studs in and, and you're sitting in a much better position than you are with Jordan love right now. So um, you're going to want to get a full year ahead and start scouting for the 2024 season. But it's, something I think from a fantasy perspective that you definitely need to think about, because if you have a team that's out there, that's really just going through the motions and trying to finish the season healthy, the chances that any of them contribute at a high level is very, very low. Um, And again, green Bay eight and nine last season, I don't see them being even that good this year. And while they seem to have taken a step back, a lot of the rest of the division has taken a step forward. So um, they don't have any free agents that they've signed coming in on the offensive side of the ball, at least. And it's hard to predict a world where these guys get the job done and, and put them at the top of the division. So um, I don't want to spend too much more time on the Packers. I think I've made my my opinion on them very well known to this point. Um, I will say, though, real quickly, Aaron Jones is probably one of the few guys I would continue to draft. A.J. Dillon was a bit of a letdown last year, especially the people that drafted him in uh, zero RB strategy. Uh, he was nearly useless for the first like 12 weeks of the season. And he popped off towards the end to boost his ranking. And yes, all fantasy points are created equal, but you probably missed out on a couple of those games because you didn't trust him for the first one where he scored like 12 points. And then you didn't trust him because you said that was a fluke and he scored 18. So maybe it took you three weeks of him doing well to even start him. By then you're out of your playoffs and you lost. So um, Aaron Jones, probably the one guy I would definitely still target. I still have faith in him. 213 attempts this year for 1,121 yards. He only managed two touchdowns as well. So if he gets in the end zone a little bit more, um, he could definitely see his, his his running back ranking skyrocket. Beyond that, Christian Watson, if he hangs out late, sure, you take a flyer on him, but I'd expect him to be more of a flex play, if anything. If you're in a deep uh, dynasty league, sure, you can bump him a couple rounds up. Uh, but if you're in redraft, I'd expect him to be further towards the, the – not the end of the draft. He's not that bad, but um, – definitely towards the flex play selection. So uh, keep that in mind as you draft. I know drafts are coming up, so this is this is why we do it. Um, next best team in the division is kind of a surprise. Second place, the Detroit Lions at 9-8. and eight. They just turned in a fantastic offensive performance all year long last year. Um, it's I don't even know what to say. It kind of took the world by surprise, uh, I guess. They had the pieces they've had the pieces for a little bit but they finally put it all together jared goff had a fantastic season 29 touchdowns to just seven interceptions um 382 completions on 587 attempts which is just over 65 percent like that's the season that you talk about for a i don't want to say an elite quarterback but those are the numbers that put you in elite territory you know you sub 10 interceptions 30 plus touchdowns and 65 plus percent completion. That's that's a that's a home run season. And and Jared Goff had exactly that. Um, whether it's a a more comfortable more comfortable situation he's in with Detroit, whether he's getting on the same page with Dan Campbell or the offensive coordinator uh, Ben Johnson, whatever it is, it's working. And all they've done right now this year, I mean, they've lost a couple of pieces. DeAndre Swift is traded to the Eagles. Uh, Jamal Williams is, leaves to go to New Orleans, but. The running backs, while effective and while they posted the 11th most rushing yards in the league at 2,179, they had the seventh highest passing yardage in the league with almost 4,500 yards. 
Um, they were ranked third in total yards from scrimmage, fifth in points scored, and tenth in touches. The, like these are fantastic numbers for a Detroit Lions team that we have not seen play all that well um, for years and years past. Now their defense struggled. They were 28th in points against 32nd. So dead last in defensive yards allowed. And that's kind of what allowed the offense to throw the ball so much, get in these shootouts and score all these points and get all this yardage. But that's good from a fantasy perspective. I love to buy into teams like that. It's the reason that the Falcons were a great team to own for the uh, better part of the early 2000, 2010s. Even, you know, you had Roddy white and Matt Ryan putting up tons of points. Uh, Julio Jones early in his career scoring a million points. Michael Turner scoring a million points because they had to just to compete because the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like those are the teams that you love. And this is what the Detroit Lions appear to be right now. Um, this year, they're looking at 68 vacated targets and 262 vacated rushing attempts. Now, as far as the rushing attempts go, David Montgomery coming over from the Bears, like I mentioned, this interdivision swapping um, would appear to to be the primary guy who's going to take on a lot of that. We also have the rookie they drafted, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, if you split those vacated carries right down the middle, both of them can have a fantastic season if they go 50-50. And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for. Um, They also let TJ Hawkinson walk last year. Didn't seem to slow them down one bit. And then this year in the draft, they bring in Sam Laporta, who is one of the highest touted tight ends in this draft class and will certainly have a role that he can step right into and probably contribute from day one on, on, on this Lions team. Um, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater recently. Uh, they actually, I think this, this week, they signed him to be the backup to Jared Goff, which is great because Hendon Hooker is still recovering, the guy they drafted this year out of Tennessee, I believe. Um, and he's definitely a project. So to have Teddy Bridgewater there to back him up in the event, anything goes wrong with Jared Goff, certainly a good move for depth. And it's this kind of stuff that you're seeing the Detroit Lions do that they have not done for so many years is, they have a plan. They have contingency plans. They have a fully fleshed out model of what they want to do and they're making it work. Um, they also brought back Marvin Jones, which is interesting. Scotty, I wish you were here to talk about Marvin Jones. I know how much you love him. Um, and then you have the returning guys, uh, Jamison Williams, who's suspended for a little bit because of his gambling addiction, apparently. Uh, but he'll be back after six games. And then you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, who is going to continue to, to Amon Ross St. Brown type things, 146 targets and 106 catches last year for 1,161 yards and six touchdowns. That's a great year. That's what you want to see out of your top dog at wide receiver. You've got him, Jamison Williams, um, DJ Shark, all in the same field. Oh, no, sorry, DJ Shark's leaving. I forgot about that. But um, you got all these guys on the same field. And and uh, who are they bringing? I can't think. Oh, Denzel Mims from the uh, from the Jets. Yeah, he's, he's a non-factor. We're not going to worry about that. But you've got the pieces on this team to continue to play well and to continue to probably compete for the top of the division or top at, at the top of the division. Uh, you get the Vikings that really ran away with it this year at 13 and four, but they had one of the worst defenses of all time and set records for uh, giving up the most points in yardage for uh, a 13 and four team. So if the Detroit Lions can get a little bit better or keep building on the success that they had this past year, there's no reason to think that they're not going to continue to improve upon their record and and probably duke it out with the, with the Vikings for the lead in this division by the end of the season. Um, and I guess I mentioned the Vikings a couple times. Let's head on over to them. They finished 2022 at 13-4. They were near the top in uh, all passing categories, second place in yards, 4,818 yards. Uh, offensive rank total was fifth. Offensive points scored was seventh and uh, offensive touches was 12th. 
their rushing rank was the interesting part. They were 27th in rushing yards, and that's something very un-Minnesota of the Vikings to see. Um, and as I just recently mentioned, their defense was in shambles 30th, 31st, 31st, and 20th for their ranks for defensive points against defensive yards allowed, passing yards allowed, and then rushing yards ra- uh, allowed in a row. So, uh, again, 30, 31, 31, 20. That's, that's not that's not great. Um, they're definitely going to need to to make some strides if they hope to stay at the top of the division. Um, and then the one stride they seem to have made is letting go of Dalvin Cook there. They're running back uh, for the past several seasons. Um, I think they think that Alexander Madison is going to be able to step into that role. Ty Chandler, they think, is going to kind of fill it by committee. But they have 265 vacated rushing attempts that somebody needs to take. And Alexander Madison has never handled that workload. I don't know that he can't, but we've never seen him do it. So relying on a guy to take that many carries that's never done it is is a dicey proposition. Um, They also have 199 vacated targets with the departure of Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, and, and Dalvin Cook. And that's a lot that needs to get accounted for considering they've only brought in Josh Oliver and Nikhil Harry, Brandon Powell, and then the drafting of Jordan Addison and Dwayne McBride. Um, Dwayne McBride's another running back that could be interesting. He was a very late round pick. I think he was a sixth round pick. Uh, he could probably contribute maybe special teams and then on an occasional change of pace or receiving back type role. But I don't think he's going to take the bulk of the uh, the 265 rushing attempts that have been vacated. So it's really going to be Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, a little bit of Kenny in Wangu. Um, and then who knows, maybe they still have time to bring in another uh, veteran running back, but um, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what this team looks like without Dalvin cook, who's been a workhorse for them for, for years and years. And then, like I mentioned uh, the, the vacated targets at 199. I mean, at some point, Justin Jefferson hits a limit to how many targets he can get, right? He had 184 targets last year and 128 receptions for 1,809 yards. Only eight touchdowns is a little bit low considering how many targets he's receiving, but people are double-teaming him nonstop. So with all of these targets leaving, you've got K.J. Osborne, who saw 90 targets last year. Uh, so even if you bump him to 130 we're still talking about rookie Jordan Addison catching a lot of touch uh, or sorry, uh, seeing a lot of targets come his way. If their plan is to not add anybody else before the season starts. I mean, you've got TJ Hawkinson, uh, TJ Hawkinson who had 86 targets after joining the team, but that's like, it's asking a lot of these guys to expand their roles when they're already kind of maxed out for what you can expect from them. You know, I don't expect Justin Jefferson to ever catch or to ever see 250 targets in one season. I don't think anybody does. That'd be preposterous. But with the way the numbers are playing out, if they run the exact same offenses they did last year, which you're thinking they're going to with the same head coach, the same offensive coordinator, Kirk Cousins still under center, uh, a running back who's leaving um, the team. So really you're going to rely on the passing game even more. And Alexander Madison, who only saw 18 targets last year. I mean, he caught 15 of them. So, at least he can catch the ball when it's thrown to him, but he's never had a ton of targets. It's not really his game. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this offense looks by the end of the season. Um, Kirk Cousins, by the way, just continues to be a back-end QB1 every single season. He gets no hype for it, but 
if you're running a two QB league and you get him as your second quarterback, you're probably sitting pretty. Uh, again, 424 completions, 643 attempts, 65.9% completion percentage, 4,500 yards, 29 touchdowns, 14 picks. So I just talked about Jared Goff having a, a, a nearly elite year. Kirk Cousins, same boat. And you'd have to say that, honestly, Jared Goff's year is better. He had the same number of touchdowns and half as many picks at the same completion percentage. So Jared Goff ranked over Kirk Cousins, at least last year. Can he do it again? We'll see. Cousins has done it consistently, so I expect to see it out of him. Uh, Goff, I hope to see it out of him. I haven't seen him do it in um, back-to-back years for for quite some time. So that really does it for the NFC North. I guess I'll give you my quick uh, thoughts on how the division ends this season. I'm still going to take the Vikings to finish at the top. I think they edge out the Lions, for uh, who will end up in second place. And then third place, I'm going to put the Bears. I think you're going to see a turnaround for the Bears this season. They'll they'll overtake the Packers, and the Packers end up dead last. And I really think the Packers could be like a three or four win team at most. So um, that really does it. That's going to do it for the for podcast number 257. Wow, we're getting up there. Uh, hopefully, you guys like this. Hopefully, you didn't get sick of listening to my voice for all too long. Um, yeah, I mean that's really it. As always. Reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything else that you can think of. We're there, Top Shelf, F-N-T-S-Y. Let me know what you thought of the podcast. Let me know what you think of all the division previews. And then check the site because we're going to be coming out with our breakout sleepers, busts, all that good stuff, all of our player picks. Probably our favorite part of the year is getting to pick all these guys and do our write-ups on them. So those will be coming out very soon. We want those to be out before you get into the swing of your drafts. And we know drafts are coming. Um, I think we all have a draft this this coming weekend, all the top shelf boys, and we have one the following weekend. All of our hometown drafts are going, so we want you to have the same information that we have. So please reach out with questions. Please check the website for updates. And as always, stay fluid, stay loose. Top Shelf Fantasy. Stay fluid. Stay Thank you.